everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Man, I'm, I was at camp today. Like, I'm rearing and ready to go. We got football back, and it's it's good, man. Everything is sunshine and roses and nobody has lost any games yet and yeah pads aren't on yet so we're not even you know we're not even sore from getting hit yet like uh everything's breezy yeah and then i turned on the the tv or the social media afterwards and i saw the nonsense and after all the nonsense i think we decided collectively that we need even more of a different kind of nonsense so i'm pretty excited (laughs) about the conversation that uh we're going to have today with uh, Shahan J. Araja from CBS Sports, former Dave Campbell's Texas football. First, I guess, to defend Denton's honor. That was <laughs> <laughs> so no Texas fans. I know that was brought up. And then, I mean, what else? But, I stand by it, North Texas fans. Come at me. Yeah, well, there. And we uh, we made him the czar of college football. And I don't know. I think he, he, I think he's fit for the position. I'll say that. So uh, it was a good speaking run of fit. You know what fits great are those amazing pieces of collegiate apparel from home field. Wow. Yes. Oh. Excellent. Oh, fist pump. Just going to. Yeah, that's a full up. Uh, that's a full on uh, full on uh, uh, Alex Kirshner style transition there. I'm, I'm proud of that one. I've, uh, he would oh, be proud. Yeah, I got to work on the craft there. But that was that, that was that's a yeah, that's a fist pump moment. They sent me an email today about Ryan Nottie bringing up college football history and something. So I don't know. I use the code Roost, R-O-O-S-T, buy something from Homefield, and I think you're going to start getting like emails from Celebrity Hot Tub about college football or some degree. Or maybe you can get on that list and be entertained. If you're entertained by us, chances are you will like what's coming from Homefield. They're launching a UTEP collection this week, and those shirts look like I have not bought Ooh, any UTEP here. They're the fire, as the children say, <laughs> or people younger than us. <laughs> Can we still say fire? Are we past fire? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Go shop at Homefield. All right, and we are here now with our old friend Shahan Jayaraja, now a national college football writer for CBS Sports. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. Thank you so much for having me. As seen on TV. I saw that this week. <laughs> yeah. TV uh, made my, uh, my, I made my CBS Sports Network debut today, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I don't know. For, for people who maybe haven't heard me talk before, this isn't like my 100% voice. So it was definitely a little interesting. I'm still getting over COVID a little bit. But I was like, <laughs> I'm going to push through. Like They asked me to go on. I'm going to figure it out. And uh, it went okay. It, went, it didn't go too bad. I hope next time I don't have to talk about a kid may be losing all of his eligibility for gambling on his own team when I go on TV, but uh, you know, <laughs> to, to each their own. I like saw that story and I was yeah. scrolling and I'm like, oh, a kid was betting on sports. I'm like, we had this happen like like a year right. ago or when the first like in this wave of this broken. And then I kind of saw the details and I'm like, oh, no, we're this- we're going like, oh, man. So uh, for people who don't know, it's Iowa State starting quarterback. Starting quarterback. Starting quarterback. Like, quarterback. Starting qu- like and he's good. I, 
Yeah, and I thought he was going to have a pretty big year this year. So I heard over the offseason about some of these rumors like, nah, like we don't we don't know if he's going to be back. And then, you know, the NCAA kind of passed some new rules and we're like, well, we'll be kind of case by case. And it's depending on what you did. So like, if you just gambled on pro sports, it's really not that big a deal, right? Like maybe you lose five games or something. And it's like, oh, no, he gambled on his own games. And he also like manipulated his parents account to try to make it look like he wasn't the one placing the bets. Uh, Except here's the thing. They can geolocate your phone. They know exactly (laughs) who's doing it. All of these masterminds. Yeah, his, the statement that his lawyer released was one of the craziest things I've ever seen because he was like, first of all, he's innocent. Second of all, it was his parents' account, not even his. And it's like, You're like who hasn't was... shared an account before? And I was like, wait, did he do it or did he not? Do yeah. It? Are, are you saying that like these bets definitely went through and that you're just claiming they weren't him, which again, the state of Iowa has the ability to figure out? I, I don't know. It's The, the real don't, question don't... is... Well, the real question is, when you decided, lo and behold, way back, go back to your days in Waco, you're like, I'm I'm going to be a sports writer. <laughs> what percentage at the time, what percentage did you think you'd be writing and talking about sports? And then what percentage did you think it would be nonsense? Because I feel like the further and further we get into this, we get a lot more nonsense. And then, oh, football, oh, basketball. <laughs> Well, and especially like the bigger the job you get, it's more and more nonsense. It's nonsense all the <laughs> way up, honestly. It's so, you know, and I like became a national writer right at the beginning of NIL, right at the beginning of like the mass transfer portal and the one year exception and the COVID uh, exception for, for eligibility and all that. So it's like it's been you, you really fun. thought you were going to get to talk about football, didn't you? <laughs> I, I have tried to tell everybody who will listen that, like, I love Oregon State's offensive line and nobody seems to care. So, but I'm, I'm trying my best. <laughs> this is good. And, hey, we are going to get to a little bit of college football. But off right. the top, we have to get to the reason that you're on the podcast. Well, first off, oh. we love having you. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, I think you you were probably year one, right? You're year two, right? Right at the beginning of when we were launching this. So you are... You were an old friend at this point in our circles. But first off, uh, a couple weeks back, we did a podcast drafting American Athletic Conference cities. And the purpo- I guess the, the purported guise of this game was build your dream road trip. If you were just you had to drive to all these cities and go see the sites and eat the food and do the things, what cities would you pick? That was what we were intending to do. Yeah, which I, I think Mike took in a much more authentic way than I did because I literally yeah, just grabbed like, which of these cities pick? have the best food? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is good. So this was the game, right? And then I post it, and then my Twitter account starts blowing up, and we did bash Denton a lot on this episode. But, again, it was not rating college townness. It was road tripping and things to see. And uh, I, my mentions got smashed, and you somehow got got dragged into it. And uh, at some point, we had an exchange on the interwebs where you said, "I need to come on the podcast, quote, to defend Denton's honor." So, <laughs> you have the floor. Would you like to defend Denton's honor? 
So one thing I will say, right, is that the AAC is a very interesting conference because it's such a city conference. So like I, I acknowledge that, right? There are a lot of good destinations in, in uh, the AAC right now. And so like, for example, it, picking it bottom five, I don't think is like a huge deal. Like I, I don't think it's the end of the world to pick them bottom five. Now I, I will say, right, like, when you're drafting Denton, first of all, like, and, and y'all are Houston people, and I'm sure most people listening to this are Houston people, but, like, if you're going to Denton, like, first of all, I think that you kind of just get Dallas with that, because, like, it's not like we were just, like, well, you, you go to would, SMU. would, except we have SMU in there. But, but that's it's, the thing. So it's the co-draft. It's like, well. Right. But that's the thing, though, right? You guys drafted University Park much higher but, like, it's not like you're just staying in University Park when you're going to Dallas, right? It's not like you're stuck within the bounds of, like, some, you know, gentrified suburb. Like, you're you're talking about getting to go to Dallas, right? And so... Where did they get picked? I think they were, thing like, is that, like, 12th. Denton is, like, pretty well out of... It's not, like, in the it, it central so, part of the Metroplex. Like, this would no, be no. saying, like, you get, you get Houston when you draft Conroe on your cities here. And, like... <laughs> Yeah, but like it's still a bit of a drive. It's much closer than Conroe is to Houston, to be fair. Uh, but like, I love that we just had a Conroe slander. Oh, dude, uh, I mean, we oh, can do this. Conroe. This was not Conroe slander. Actually. <laughs> no, no, yeah, like here, a lake man. Here's the thing. Here's the this thing. Didn't right? have so, a lake. Wait, Lake Dallas is not. Eh, the, the, it's it's in continue. the vicinity. So so this is the thing, right? So there are two ways to like Denton, and one. If you're like a college student and you're doing like the college thing, like it's a good college square, it's good college bars, it's whatever, right? Like it's a fine college town. Not not like a super duper college town, but it's I think it's a very good college town. I'd put it up there with most of the other college towns in the state, I'd argue. Uh, you know, obviously like Austin's not really a college town and all that. But I think that um, so so I'd put that there, right? If you're a college student, I think it's a pretty good spot to visit. And then I think the other part of it, too, and again, this is not asking where do you want to live, but like Denton is like also like a legitimately pretty nice place to live because you get access to Dallas, but like you also kind of get the small town vibe because everything still is pretty close. It's pretty drivable. It's pretty easy. And like, so I think that like you get this nice balance of like short term and long term if you're in that area. Now, again, is is the point that like you get to go visit the Buckies and that's why Denton's awesome? No, not really, right? But like I think that there is more to do. The other part of it as well in DFW is there's a lot more like nature stuff to do around than there is in most of DFW if you go up to that area. So like it, lots more trees, lots of hiking. There are rivers and stuff like that. I think there might be a lake in that area. I'm not really a lake person, so don't ask me too much about it. But uh, I, I just think that there's much more access to things than people realize. And again, I, I don't have a huge issue with picking it like bottom three to five on the list. That's not my issue here. It's talking about it like it's just a horrible place to go visit. That, like, <laughs> I'm just gonna take a shot at Wichita just because maybe it's better than this. Like it's not. This is I'm not gambling on the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> That's gambling not what we're doing here. <laughs> that, okay, so well, first off, I asked you what was good about uh, Denton, and you said trees. So that happened. Trees um, are great. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> But 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 second off, fair as a man of the suburbs who we're talking about this pre-show, 
and 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 for the record, I have I have family up in that area, and I was in I was in Denton around when media days were happening. Uh, went sure. to the Legoland Experience Center and see life. Sure. Uh, so if you have s- small children, like there's some things to do. Like it's it's not a barren wasteland. I'm not trying to bury Denton. But, uh... I, do, I do think the about the like nature of the conference is a good one though because when you draft AAC cities you are very it is a very like metropolitan conference. Well, you yeah, said so... that, and I'm like, what are the other college towns in the American? And I was like, I'm trying to think right now. Denton and yeah, I mean it's it's pretty urban other than that, obviously. Now, and I think this is part of it too, right? Is like congratulations you're going to philly for the temple trip like obviously temple really has like that's not really where you're not going to temple right you're going to philly and like then going to lincoln financial field and that's that's your trip right so that's that's also the part where it gets like a little weird is you know because again it's like you can cheat a little bit yeah yeah yeah. And, and that's that's part of it right i mean there are very few places where you're going to that town i mean i think that's like even I mean, obviously they're not in the conference anymore. But it's like, if you go to University of Houston, like for a game, you don't really spend any time at University of Houston. You go to like yeah. Houston proper on purpose, right? Right. And this is a rise host, podcast, but also <laughs> even if it wasn't, <laughs> no. And I mean, as somebody who. Like, I'm not going to get into all that. Like, obviously, if you do go to, like, Rice, like, that's a totally different thing, right? West University is awesome. You can, you can, like, actually spend time in that area, and it's awesome just to be around there. And so I think that that's an advantage for for North Texas and Denton is that, like, when you, you're spending time there, you're actually, like, enjoying spending time there as opposed to, like, well, this is 15 miles from the campus. That's pretty cool. You know... <laughs> in the back, as you're saying that, I'm wondering now if we're actually, if you're our lifeline and you're helping us bring the North Texas people back, <laughs> <laughs> or or if they've already written us off completely. <laughs> then tonight, a, will you give us another chance? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to reach out to some of my connections. We'll see what we can I mean, do. I'm, I'm willing to plant the flag right here and just start beef with North Texas fans full on. I have no problem with it. We've said we need more hate in the conference, and we're all. I'll never. Yeah, I will never forget the time I've told the story on the podcast before. There were some North Texas fans on Twitter who thought, who were complaining that Rice had stolen the winged helmet look from them and i was like first of all here's the receipts that we used it before you did and second we stole it from oregon thank you very much so calm down <laughs> i i i love it i need beef you know my big thing as we go through this whole realignment carousel is like all i'm looking for is for teams that care about each other and like that's becoming harder and harder, it feels like, these days. So I love a conference like the AAC that's, like, all over Texas, and we can get some real beef going. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, that's been our longstanding – that was our compl- our one complaint. Well, our loudest complaint about Conference USA was the fact that you didn't really hate anybody. <laughs> we always <laughs> say we need more – like, I don't care. Like, if we win or lose against Louisiana Tech, that's great. If we win or lose against Middle Tennessee, whatever. It's like, oh, but – SMU, you're we're gonna I'm beat so SMU. I'm so excited to talk trash about SMU. I'm so excited. It's been way too long. <laughs> can't wait for some uh US news and world report ranking smack talk. I can't wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. 
Right. You know, and see, I used to just like yawn. Yeah, there are just enough private whatever. universities in this conference that we can really lord that over them. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but to say it was no fun when Rice is number four and the next closest team in the conference is 86. <laughs> I think yeah, Tulane's like, got to be up there. Like when, right? Yeah, like, like when Tulane beats us by seven touchdowns, it'd be like, ah, cool. You seen these rankings lately, buddy? <laughs> this is what it's all about. <laughs> This was really good. Well, I hope we uh, I hope we did Denton justice. We will. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to apologize, but I am going to say I have some love for Denton. And uh, if you hadn't, uh, Mike Craven was on that, and you can throw some shade with that with the the rest of the Dave Campbell's uh, folks. Yeah. Also, by the way, the podcast that dude is is obviously an Austin and UTSA guy too. So like it was that was never going to go. Well. It was the perfect there, storm. <laughs> there was nothing. About no that. Dallas representatives. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah. Once I saw the conversation, I'm like, I can see where this is going. And so I just because <laughs> hey, you so where in you were in DFW somewhere. I know that. Yeah. I'm in Irving, so I'm I'm down. Okay. The, I'm much closer to to Dallas itself, right? But because of that, you know, I'm I'm from you know Coppell originally, which is pretty far north, and so you know Denton's only a good twenty minutes from where I grew up, and so uh, ah, the bias comes out. Cooking, okay. Hey, I, <laughs> <laughs> there are two Houston folks on here. Are we gonna sit here and pretend that there's no bias? Come on now. We are contractually obligated to hate Dallas. It's just like exactly. you spend enough time in, in a non-Dallas to Texas City, and it's just like, mm, I hate Dallas now. And some people like living in stuff that isn't covered in concrete. That's all I'm saying. This is fair. They're currently doing highway construction, like, what, a, a quarter mile from my house? Maybe. <laughs> I can hear it when I walk outside my door. It'll be done eventually. Oh, man. Yeah, this no is great. Say. So... We've established that Rice and North Texas hate each other. Uh, they don't play this year, which I'm like, it's we're going to get to like midway through November, and I'll be like, oh, so we end the season with North Te- uh, FAU? What? <laughs> I We'll get there. So that's a, I guess, a, I don't know if that's a negative of realignment. It's life as we know it. But it's one of those things that I think 2023 for – Rice fans is, I mean, obviously it's a new conference, but it's in a bit of an adjustment year getting used to, you know, new digs and maybe, I don't know, winning football games and some new things and sorts of stuff. So we're excited about that around here. I did want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, I know that you have talked about Iowa State, uh, you know, betting scandals, 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 a bit easy for me to say. And realignment, and you've probably talked about, I'm guessing, Texas a little bit, maybe Ohio State. You've probably hit on Alabama in the past couple weeks. So I want to give you your chance. You shout, gave a shout-out to what the Oregon State offensive line. Is there What is the most like underrated, like G5-iest storyline that you got? Because I think we've covered, like, UTSA will be fun. Will Tulane do it again? Give me, like, Oregon State <laughs> offensive line, what you want to, what you're looking at in the G5 this year. Man, that is that is such a good question. So, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, to go back to the conference y'all left, I'm pretty excited to see UTEP and New Mexico State in the same conference. And by the way, 
both of them might be good enough to make bowl games in the same year. I I, I think that they mentioned this on Split Zone Duo, but I think it's been since yes, like I was listening. It was, it was like sixty years or something. Yeah, it, that was the last time that both of them made bowl games. I I couldn't remember. Because I know that both of them uh, had like eight win seasons within the last decade. And I couldn't remember. I assumed they weren't the same year. But uh, New Mexico State was 2017. UTEP was 2014. Obviously, then UTEP made a bowl in 2021. And then New Mexico State made one in 2022. You know, these are like two programs that know that life isn't going to get a whole lot better necessarily and they're kind of just like clutching to stuff and like two very like old school coaches in Dana Dimmel and uh and Jerry Kill at New Mexico yeah, State just like it's just there's it's so on brand yeah but like we, we we laugh at like the, the the retread thing or whatever but at some point there are programs that you're just like hey you know what we're gonna get the hard nosed guy, and we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty good to meh, and we'll roll with it. And like, yeah, the, the remembering no. some guys method of hiring a head coach. And we're not gonna win eleven games with Dana Dimmel or Jerry Kill. Right. I don't think, but <laughs> right, but we might win six, and that's yeah. great. No, I I think that that's a a funny thing in general, right? Because I think in the American. Uh, I, I think that everybody's kind of at a point where they're looking for upside, right? They're looking for opportunity. They want to like, they want to like capture the next star as they rise to the top. And I think that in the Mac, to some extent, to in uh, New Conference USA, I, I think that people are, and even in maybe the middle to lower half of the Mountain West, I think everybody's kind of just like maybe a retread might work. And like, we see these situations, right? Brady Hope has taken San Diego State some really good seasons. Uh, Jeff Tedford had Fresno State right now, right? Like uh, the, the classic example is obviously Frank Solich forever at Ohio. And like, sometimes just getting these guys will be there for 10 years and aren't going to leave you anytime soon. Like that's really attractive in some places. And so... I don't know. It is kind of like an interesting balance when you are a program that, again, knows that they don't have upward mobility, knows that the only way to go is down to to just try to to find somebody who maybe like can help you tread water a little bit and uh, be, you know, in the conversation for bulls year in and year out. Rick Stockstill has got to be at middle Tennessee has got to be the longest tenured head coach in America. Wait. I think he, does he predate longer. Saban? I'm trying to think, how long has Saban been I think at Bama? Kirk, yeah, it's Kirk Ferentz is the most. Um, yes, Ferentz is the most. It was Fitzgerald. Yeah, Saban's like three at this point. Yeah, because Saban was 07. I think that yeah. Stockstill's 05, but don't quote me on that. But he's, you, I mean, you didn't know you'd be quizzed on Rick Stockstill today. <laughs> I understand. I, I should have seen it coming. Okay, I was close. 06, 06. So yeah. he's a year ahead of Saban. Is that, I'm trying to think because I think Ken Niamatololo used to get listed ahead of Saban because he was hired like earlier in the 2007 exactly. hiring cycle, but yeah. he's not a Navy anymore. No, it's it's uh, again like a lot of these longtime coaches, right? Gary Patterson was 2000, for example, right? Like a lot of these guys are starting to cycle out. Obviously, the Pat Fitzgerald thing, he was 05, if I remember right. So like to to last that long, and I mean. 
the thing is, I mean, obviously, uh, especially when y'all were in conference USA, like you have these discussions like these, well, is this really all middle's going to try to do? But then you look and it's like, oh, I guess they won 15 games over the last two years. I guess that's fine. I guess that's kind of like they pretty good. Miami. For... Yeah, well, that too. That, they that's both race Miami. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but I don't know. It's... They still get to say we boat race Miami. Right. But, you know, it's like they had uh, a bad 2019. They were miserable in 2020. And like otherwise, they're pretty good. And like maybe that's fine. Maybe that's OK. More programs in college football should be like if you can get to a level where you're getting to a bowl year in and year out, like. Just keep the guy. Like, if something goes real bad, then fine. If it if it if it becomes unsustainable, but as long as it's working, like you don't like it's a zero sum game. Like like somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. Like not everybody can win nine games. So like at some point you're gonna be the team that wins three. Like you just gotta. I don't know. You not every league can be the SEC where every single team is convinced that they could become a top program. Like you you gotta. There's got to be some realism here, which right, right. is a hilarious thing to say in college football. But As we, li- we lift up UTEP, New Mexico State, and Middle Tennessee as uh, <laughs> harbingers of the new age of college football. Congratulations to them, man. <laughs> I love it, man. This is... This is great. It, but I did I that did get me kind of thinking as we were going. I thought you were going one way. We threw a curveball to the other way to the long-tenured guys. But... If we had to kind of sneak forward, because there's, I think there's a realization among some schools, uh, I don't know, insert Mac program here, that like, we're just going to be us and it's cool and we don't care. But also you have the, I don't know. And notice the Mac, by the way, by far the most stable of the G5 conferences right now. Oh, it's got to have like, I don't know how you would measure that, but yeah, hands down. The Mac Mac wins stability. I don't even know who to be close, but uh, anyhow, uh, I was gonna the the UCFers of, and I'm not throwing too much shade at UCF, but you have a a program from the G5 ranks that is just like no, we're in, and I don't know, we can quibble over have they made the jump, but from like, is it Central Florida or UCF to like, hey, we won a national championship to like, hey, we were picked to finish like what top four or something what, what did they get, get picked in the big 12 I, I think they got picked eighth in the big 12 eighth, okay. but they were by far the highest of the new additions that's what it was yeah so like is there I- anybody if we're prognosticating i'm not gonna like hold you to this but in like 10 years if we're chatting in like remember that time when you were right about whatever it who's the who's the next uh you know of that you know i'm not just g5-ish tier that sure. like we're t- like because TCU and Utah are like the examples sure. of who made the ultimate climb. And I don't know if that's going to happen anymore, especially if we only have two conferences in like five years. But like, who do you think can like go from like, hey, you know, we were playing in CUSA to like, hey, we're like legit. No, it's a good question. And so I think that uh, let's start in Texas. Um, I mean, south of DFW. <laughs> we'll see. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll start south of DFW. Um, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what the next five years of UTSA football look like because that's a football hungry place. 
And I think that they've leveraged something that I don't even think that they knew existed into some of the success that they have now. And obviously, uh, you know, I mean, the funny thing is, I, I actually uh, talked to some North Texas folks earlier today. And like in a lot of ways, I think it's fair that North Texas folks are like, why is that them and not us? But like they have become that program in Texas, the one that is competing at a high level, the one that now they're joining the American and expects to at least be competitive for the conference in their first year. And uh, when you look at recruiting, like they are up there with almost everybody in, in uh, the group of five right now. And so the question is going to be, is there space for another major Texas program? And the answer might be no, because just having, I mean, it's up to six now power five programs as is. And again, we can quibble over power five and all that stuff now, but like, I don't know. I just heard Mr. Orozco wax quite poetic on what power means. His opening speech. My fault. There's 10. There's definitely 10. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, you know, that's going to be the big question is, is there space? And also like, will anybody want to elevate UTSA into that space? Or will they kind of just be like the outside darling? Which, you know, it's a fair question. I mean, I think that uh, one one point that I've made before is like, if you're like, look at Texas Tech over the last decade. I don't think it's a coincidence that their I don't want to call it a fall, but like their struggles are tied with the fact that TCU became a power five program and that's a program with access to west texas that can offer a whole lot more than what texas tech could so you know will that be an issue if utsa were to move up and all of a sudden houston's competing with them or baylor or whoever else i mean that's i think that's going to be a little bit of an existential question but utsa is one that i think is investing at a very high level right now i think the interest is there you're starting to see real investment from the san antonio community and that's not something that you usually see from cities that are over a million people with their college football programs, but they're in kind of a unique place because of what they are. So that's one place I'd start. I, it's I, so, no, I go ahead. Say it's so interesting to me because you have the Frank Harris and Jeff Trailer lightning in a bottle moment that somehow has stretched on for th- three years. Yeah. And like, I'm just saying, like, do not be surprised if they are both returning in 2024 at UTSA. Like, right now, I'm putting the odds of that happening at, like, 20%. But I'm just saying, like, UTSA goes, like, 8-4. and four. There's a couple injuries. Like, Trailer doesn't get the Texas job. I'm, Frank's like, hey, I'm not going pro. You want to run up? I'm just saying. Like, you have that. <laughs> I, I think he's officially out of eligibility after this no, year. No, he's think- not. He has one more year. Go do your homework. He does. I don't don't know whether any waivers have been granted at this point. I don't know the answer to that. But But the point (laughs) be, it kind of makes me think back. And I'll I'll ever think back of the year that Texas A&M joined the SEC. And they had the Johnny Manziel moment where Manziel catches fire, has the Heisman thing, that run. And then, but what happens there is the investment in the program by the alumni base and college station and everywhere it just takes off and then you find out years later that kevin someone but we have money now and like san antonio does might not have oil money like a&m has oil money but i'm really going to be interested to see if they can like 
grab this moment, get that investment while the iron's hot. Yeah. I don't know, man. It wouldn't be crazy. No. And and so I think that they're, you know, probably across the entire AAC, they're the most interesting program to watch over the next five years. Uh, I, I do feel like I have to at least touch on like, SMU is in the weirdest position because they are going to buy a hyper-competitive team and maybe make playoffs in the next couple of years. And also they have zero brand value whatsoever and will not be a financial asset to any Power 5 conference. So, like, how do you balance those two things? You know what I mean? Like, because, for example, if you're the Pac-12 right now, and obviously we're we're mid Potentially just total implosion. Like maybe that's <laughs> hey, just as of time of recording, the Pac-12 exists. It we'll does say exist. That. It does exist. Uh, but you know, like if you're the Pac-12 in a hypothetical world where it still exists, like do you take a team that maybe has just upside of like making playoffs and not worry about the finances and just be like, we have to be competitive? I, I don't know, and I don't think so. If I'm being quite honest, but. I do think it's something to think about. I do think it's something to to ponder a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that some of the California schools are a little obvious, right? San Diego State's been talked to death at this point. Like, everybody knows the pros and cons of a place like that. Um, I'm going to be very curious whether the, like, dream of UNLV ever comes to fruition. Because, like, that is a market that is pumping a lot into sports right now. Uh, obviously, they already got the Raiders. They have the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, who are a huge team. Uh, the Athletics are apparently going there. Yeah. So, like, it's they're it's, they're also a prime like if the NBA expands in the next couple yes. of years, it's probably it, going to be Seattle and Vegas. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so, you know, I, I think that the question is right. And, and maybe this is maybe this won't happen in football, but maybe there is that investment in basketball. I don't know. But I, it feels like it feels like a risky property that everybody really wants to want to buy, and it just hasn't happened yet. But like one of the things that I'm watching, and I I feel like this is one of the underrated trends. If the Big Twelve were to add Arizona and Colorado, is that like look at where population's going right now too, right? Population is going to Vegas right now. It, it is a vastly growing city. And so um, and also not necessarily a place that has a ton of implicit college sports fandom. So like if UNLV were to suddenly be a team that's competing at the top of the group of five, then like I think it becomes super attractive. Now, maybe that just never happens, frankly. Right. Like I I think that there's absolutely a world where that just doesn't happen whatsoever. But I, I think that if you want to buy a penny stock right now unlv is uh, is one to like buy at uh you know for a quarter and hope that you maybe get to a chris 20 down the road unlv penny stock i'm <laughs> this is gold. I, I guess i should say put it on <laughs> i don't know i feel like that's maybe more yeah i like this i like this and you've got my brain going um but i did tell you i gave you a little bit of a tease before we went in but i I want to transition us a, a little bit while we're talking about all of these different G5 programs and and realignment-ish. And I've decided that rather than have kind of a, a serious conversation, we're going to kind of have a fun one that'll be a little bit serious. And uh, I'm making you czar of college football, all right? And uh, you are allowed to, by decree, 
make one decree in the realignment sphere. This team has to play this team every year. Nobody gets to move. I have deciding that all of the teams in Florida are in one conference. You get to make one edict on the realm of realignment that all shall follow. What is it? <laughs> I I feel like I feel like I have too many ideas of ones that would maybe be too sweeping to like actually no, do, do that the sweeping the better. Okay. Well, uh everybody must re- everybody must revert to their conference that they were in in 1995. That's my edict. <laughs> Ooh. Southwest Conference. Yep. I'm Southwest in. Conference is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can get some agreeers on uh, from the listeners of this podcast if nobody else. Yeah. But I, you know, I think for me, right, like at the crux of, yeah, (laughs) at the crux of what I'm really saying is like conferences and matchups should be like kind of local, right? Because to me, I'll I'll tell you what, right? I grew up in in DFW, like I mentioned. Uh, The thing that like made me realize that college football was awesome was the Texas National Championship run, right? And so, like, that's what I watched growing up. And so for me, when I went to college, getting to play Texas and getting to play Texas Tech, I I went to Baylor, right? I Getting to play TCU. And, like, all of my friends went to these schools was, like, the only thing I cared about, right? Like, I didn't didn't care when they played whoever else, right? Like, I mean, again, like, obviously at this point, I'm not really a fan, but, like, I'm I'm not going to feel anything when Baylor plays Cincinnati that same way. I, I hope that grows, but I, I think that, you know, if you're a USC fan, like you have to play Maryland, like how many games a year do you even care about at all? Right. I, I think that when things are local and and I'll, I'll even tie in the potential destruction of the PAC 12. Like I think that everybody wants to be in the PAC 12 because like they want to play teams that they know and recognize. And they, you know, if you're an Arizona fan, you want to play UCLA and you want to play Stanford and you want to play Washington. I, I, I don't know. I just think that Baylor's not on the short list for Arizona fans. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, in basketball, for sure. But, uh, you know, the, the James Akinjo Bowl. Sure. I mean, a, a guard who transferred from Arizona to Baylor. <laughs> but like I, uh, you know, I think that I think that for me, college football at its best is a local sport that's also a national sport and not a national sport that's also a local sport. And like at its core, the best part of college football is like going to your neighbor's house and telling him that his team sucks because you just beat them. <laughs> like that's what I think college football is. And I really missed that aspect of things. And I think it's, uh, you know, that's one thing that I'll say about like the new AAC, I think is, is better than a lot of other conferences from that. I think that like the new big 12 is actually going to be all right. But, like if you're a big 10 fan right now, man, like what, what is going on? Are you going to add Florida States? Like what, what is going on here? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's insane. There's no like real connection between any of these teams. And actually that's one credit I'll give the SEC is like I do think that they have stayed within like a framework and like an idea. And obviously it's very big, but I mean, Texas will play Oklahoma and Arkansas and Texas A&M. I think that rules. That's how it should be. Now, again, do they need to be in the same conference as Florida and South Carolina? I mean, that's another conversation, but like, I, I just think that we all need to like take a step back and, <laughs> and like play teams 
across the board that we care about. Because the other part of it, too, is that, you know, I, I got some heat the other day because I listed out all the teams that I said can win a national championship. And I listed 11 total, which is much lower yeah. than most people would say. Terrible list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my team and- wasn't on it. <laughs> like, my team wasn't on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michigan and Notre Dame. So you only, you only made 120 fan base. Is there 131, exactly. 132? Uh, 122 <laughs> at this point, because we're up to 133 now. And so, there you go. Uh, it, so like, and I mean, it, it's, probably the most extreme list out of anyone that you'll see, right? Like there probably are a handful of more teams that could probably appear on that list, right? Like probably not putting Notre Dame on that list is probably a little mean, but like I, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think that we might be at that point. I think we might be at that point where like, if you're not Ohio state and you're in the Midwest, you might just not have access to that talent right now. I I don't know. And so anyway, all, all that to say, like college football is the sport where a national championship is the most inconceivable thing compared to like any other sport on the planet. Right. Like again, if you're not one of those top, let's say 20, I mean, I said 11, let's say 20, then like, you're really not even truly able to compete. But so, you know, there's, there's 70 fan bases who think that they may be good or that they should, or that like they should be on that stage. And I think that one of the things about college football historically is it's really good at giving people attainable goals per se, right? Like whether it's making a bowl game, whether it's beating a rival, whether it's winning your conference, whether it's just getting a chance to go to like an awesome fourth tier bowl game. Like I think that college football is built on that idea of having lots of pathways to success. And the more that we get pulled apart, I think the more pathways get destroyed. And I think that really impacts the way that, Anybody who's not on that top stage is able to watch college football. That was beautiful. <laughs> You've got my vote. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, this was a hypothetical exercise, but I'm now writing you. I don't know what ballot this is being submitted to, but. I mean, uh, like I mean as, oh, as someone who grew up in Birmingham, an Alabama fan, I resonated so strongly with tell your neighbor his team sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> you had me right from there. <laughs> oh man i i love it i i i got another one for you okay, okay. you you fixed realignment and conferences okay uh now uh fix coaches for me okay i i want you to fix coaches you are the czar of college football uh i don't know if it's uh you have a moratorium on uh, you have to keep a coach x number of years or uh Every five years we play roulette and you shift, uh, you know, one one school to your left and you get their head coach. Uh, if you could fix coaching contracts, whatever, how, what is your edict as czar of college football? <laughs> no, it's a good question. So I think that uh, the, the things that I do is I think that I would make it so that uh, coaching contracts are three years guaranteed and like you can't let somebody go before that. And so, and then on top of that, I think that I would also very clearly like make it so that, uh, that you can't leave to take a new job until the day after the national championship game. Like you can't leave before that. And so we're, we're seeing such a sped up cycle right now. And 
a big part of that is the December signing period, which I think probably needs to go away. Like, I, I think that it sounded like a good idea at the time, and it has been the and worst we idea. It, and we're like, yeah. oh, oh, maybe, maybe not. And, and now we've got, you know, coaches leaving, like Brian Kelly leaving before his team could have made the college football playoff. And like team coaches leaving before their teams are eliminated from conference championship games. Like it's crazy. It, that's absurd. And for, for like two extra weeks of recruiting that you don't even really get anything done. in, I, I, it's insane. So yeah, I, that, that's what I would change. I would require at least three the years, three year rule. The three-year rule, uh, and, and like maybe you can fire them in their third season. Maybe they have to complete. Two yeah, seasons. and like you'd, <laughs> you'd have like a four cause out if they like do something, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, bad. But like totally. Yeah. But also similar deal. Like they also wouldn't be able to leave to accept another job until uh, until they've completed at least two seasons. You um, imagine the free agent like sweepstakes for the third year. Let's just pick a hypothetical UTSA head coach who uh might yeah might be. no but it's just I, and it's I like it's that, at that point it's no longer like a like a hidden secret it's anymore it's like hey right. he has to be in this job for for three more weeks somebody's gonna <laughs> yeah. no but i i think that the, the thing that is probably the most disappointing thing about this whole process right now is the fact that with new hires and the timeline of new hires that essentially like recruiting and stuff like that takes precedence over actually coaching football like that's insane to me that that you can't devalue your actual product for the sake of like hypothetically recruiting that's that's just an absurd your hypothetical product so you're saying your real product should be more valuable than your yes. hypothetical product <laughs> now now I will say I just right, like, trying to explain this to a businessman I'm like this makes sense <laughs> but also college football everything is upside down well, and the other part of it too, right, is, you know, we have so many teams in this sport that are essentially wait till next yearing all the time, right? Who like February signing day is like their championship is their biggest day of the year. And I think that, uh, you know, look, that's always going to be a part of it because if you're not already winning, then the hope of winning is going to be very important. But like I, you can't. I, I think that we do lose sight of the fact that these are like kids who have four years to do this, and like just throwing it away in like early November is is like burning a year of their life. And I, I you know, I just I just think that that's not right, and and we need to protect that at least a little bit. See, it's interesting because we had a conversation a couple weeks ago about Willie Fritz. Sure. And we were trying to remember the last time a head coach had like been there for a while and then just things clicked like Dabo Sweeney Sweeney is like the oh, yeah, like they took a shot and they gritted it out. And then six years later, boom, it, it worked. And we were having that conversation and realizing that Mike Bloomgren is like what the second or third longest tenured coach in the American. Yeah, uh, which is which is great. And you'll get rice fans on both sides that said, that's crazy. He's still here or like other side of like, yeah, he's the best shot, but it's interesting because, you know, I don't, we don't, we can't play the hypothetical of where would you be if you moved on in year three and you pick somebody else and you do two, three year stints instead of a six year stint. But like the six year coach in college football, like 
basically doesn't exist anymore unless you reach like Nick Saban level. Like, oh, like you have you have dip, like we built you the statue or we had to buy you a 10 year contract so you would stay here. Um, but other than that, it's a bunch of two, three, four year prospects. And yeah, well, and I think that Rice is a very interesting program from that perspective, right? Because I do think, for example, that uh, and obviously you guys would know better than me. So correct me if I'm wrong. Right. But like, I think that Rice would view competing for a bowl game most years as being success right and and so i think that like that's the kind of program where you where you can sell time and i think that that's actually an attractive thing to prospective coaching candidates that they will get time now the question becomes like when do you cut the rope right when, when is it enough uh i really like mike bloomer and i think he's a smart guy I, I think that obviously he's a great face for the program i i don't necessarily know the answer right like I mean, but at least three years. We have a rule. Yeah, yeah. At least the edict has it doesn't necessarily have to be six. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just saying it'd be fun if we did like a like a, I don't know, every seventh year, like throw them in and and you just get a random a random coach for a year. Like you get to keep Nick Saban (laughs) every year, but like on on the on the decade, like 2000, 2010, 2020. Like we just throw them in a hat and you get somebody else and you just <laughs> like, can you imagine we play this game and then lo and behold, Utah state gets Nick Saban for a year, <laughs> just one uh, year. I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe we'll just toss it all in a hat and, uh, and Alabama will get Jacksonville state's coach, Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it would have actually gone. Oh man. I, everything in college football comes full circle man <laughs> where would we be it's a never ending loop if christy rodriguez had not hated tuscaloosa <laughs> i know we might have oh, all been man. a little bit better off <laughs> i i don't i don't know man that now i'm on the fence we I, we need the ultimate we need the marvel ultimate alternate timeline to see yeah, col- the college football what if <laughs> That's what we need, man. All right. Another hot button topic. We're we're running you through all the hard stuff, but but we're letting you make the rules. Okay. Uh, transfer portal. Okay. And I, I prepared this list. I didn't do a lot of thinking. I have a really good one in the back of my mind, but I'm okay. not going to give it to you. So transfer portal. College football players. You get to make one rule. Czar. What is your rule? So I think that... There's a couple that come to mind. So I think something about uh, how long you're allowed to stay at a place, like when you're allowed to enter the portal. Uh, I think that one of the proposals in the one of the bills, I don't know, one of one of these bills that's coming up right now was that a player had to stay at a place for three years. That's a lot. Like three years of eligibility is a crazy amount to ask for me. But I do think that there needs to be some level of slowdown. So um, I like the proposed rule of cutting that first window from 45 days to 15 days, just kind of slowing it down a little bit. But I think that I would require players to, if to stay on campus for two years. And if you transfer before that, then you have to sit out a year. I, I do think that 
that at least gives you a chance to like figure out if that's actually what you want. If you're going to have instant eligibility again, three years is a lot. That That's a long time to spend at a place. I spent, you know, a lot, most of us spent four years in college to have three of those basically be taken up before you're able to make a choice. I think it's a little silly, but I do think that two years is enough time to kind of say, look, it wasn't just a fluke. Like I gave my real shot at this and now it's time for me to, to look elsewhere. I like that. Mine is is similar with a twist. Okay. okay. You you remember how you're taking us back to 1995 conferences? Yes. I, I, I am passing an edict that every single player from this class forward must play at a group of five school for one year. <laughs> See, here's, four, here's we're my doing question. Forced transfers. Yeah. But, so but here's, here's the, the thing. We, we play yeah. this game. Let's lean into transfers. You get to go about and be wherever you want. But now we create a, you know, you talked about college football having attainable goals. We now create a two echelon sport where you have Caleb Williams at UNLV for a year. And then he cashes out. He gets his NIL. And then he gets to go win a national championship at USC or wherever. And then gets to go on to the pros. I don't care if it's fair. I'm the czar. I want. I want to see. I want to see every single player get the one. Here's your intro to college. We used to have a freshman team. Freshmen <laughs> used to not be eligible to play to play college football. I want a freshman team, but it, it's now being televised, and then you can go do whatever you want. So, so I, I guess here's my thing, though, right? So, one, I think that that sets up the idea that every player every year expects to leave their group of five team and like there won't be like ever a a player who's there for multiple years well eventually roster spots will fill up it will equalize like it's gonna be clear at some point but i think that everybody will be planning to leave like whenever they get to camp and so here's my thing right because I'm a big basketball fan and, you know, I, I was really into college basketball when I was in college and uh, Baylor's a good team to, to be a college basketball fan of. But I think that for me, like I personally really hate the one and done rule specifically because like I think the fun of college athletics is watching players develop and like getting to build multi-year relationships with them. And so, you know, I, I've had people tell me like, well, if you just open it up to high school kids going straight to the NBA, then like they'll never play in college. And I think it's worse for a player to like view this, like the level that you like as like a, like a, a stopgap or a barrier. I think that it's better to like have somebody come through and get to develop them for multiple years and like have a chance to, to see them become something. And then look, if in their in their third or fourth year, then they do transfer, then like that happens. But like, then at least you got two or three years with them. You saw them become something, and then like you have a real relationship with them. Whereas, for example, if Caleb Williams played his freshman year at UNLV, like one, he probably didn't go to a single class there, right? Like that's not probably not like a real relationship that he has with the school. It's probably not a real relationship that he would have with the fans. And so it's like what if whenever he transferred from UNLV to to USC, like, I, I mean, I, I know there would be some ownership of him by like UNLV fans, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's different than, uh, for example, like, uh, like Bradley Rosner, right? Like Bradley Rosner was in this program at Rice for multiple years, like a great player. And if he has success at NC state, I think everybody's going to be like, that's our guy. 
as opposed to like if he was just here for like a year. And, and maybe there's beef. I don't. I don't know the the situation. No, I mean from. we we kind of joke offhand that it's our fault because every week on the podcast we would we would give him another year of of age, <laughs> and he be but, but you know it, maybe by the time we called him a fifty year old Brad Rosner that that's what ran him <laughs> off. So like, Bradley, if you're no. listening, if it was me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean I think that like I think that even though Bradley transferred. There's still like a level of ownership that like Rice fans will always get to have with him. And I think that if it's like a one year thing, like I, I don't think that like. Yeah, you think like, I'm not claiming Trey Murphy as a Rice player in the NBA because I absolutely am. Absolutely. Right. And you should. And and like I think hey, that he had example, he had multiple years at Rice. Yeah. yeah he did. Like, yeah. No. And so like, well, for example, though, right, it's like. If if JT Daniels has a pretty good year this year and then suddenly becomes an NFL star, like, yeah, like obviously you'll claim him, but it's oh, not like he will be Rice legend JT Daniels. Like, going <laughs> yeah, Rice is to, we're not in the business fans, of of uh, with the Rice anyone we can make a claim on in pro sports so, of <laughs> like not claiming anyone. This is probably a bad example. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just think that it's like I just think that I it's hear like you. I hear you. Yeah, I, I just think that getting to build multi-year relationships with players. Even if like they aren't awesome, I mean, especially when they aren't awesome at times. Like you know, players who are pretty good, maybe not great, but who are there for a long time. I, I think that that's like a really cool thing about college sports. And I don't know. I mean, I think that that uh, losing that bit just to like have a moment where like Caleb Williams is on your campus for like five seconds. I, I don't know if that's necessarily worth it to me personally, but you know, to each their own. Be fun. We'll let you be commissioner next again, or czar uh, czar. We're going with czar. We're putting you in control. You mentioned Bradley Rosner. So we're going to talk about eligibility. Uh, Bradley Rosner is entering his eighth season of, as a college football player. At How old is he? Is he is? Is he as old he as me? Is I feel like he's 51 like years old. We just well, he was 50 a second ago, so now he's 51. The, <laughs> the, the bit marches on. Um, yeah, we'll get there. But uh, college football eligibility rules. You are czar. You get to pass a wide sweeping rule about eligibility in any respect. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the eligibility thing kind of overlaps with with what I was saying, right? The the two play two years at a place before you can transfer. But I think that I think that generally I don't have a huge eligibility issue. I think that like I'm kind of glad that we're getting close to done with the COVID thing. Like I think that's been such a headache. Oh my gosh. You know, just to not know when guys are going to be done. I mean, if you're a coach right now, I don't know how you plan for it. Uh, if you're a high school kid, you're getting passed over for Bradley Rosner in his eighth year of eligibility, <laughs> right? Like, but so, I mean, I don't think I have a huge issue with the way. Do you have like something more specific in mind? No, I was, I was, I was curious if we, if we were, we were cool with eighth years or setting <laughs> it being a hey you get five years to play however much you can i don't care if it's four yeah. seasons or three seasons sure. or if it's saying you know what we don't care if someone wants to let you play football and pay for you to get a degree i don't care if you're 35 sure sure honestly I, yeah austin ani exists <laughs> austin ani 
Austinani is actually older than me, which is crazy. But uh, <laughs> but uh, North Texas. Oh Bradley Rosner graduated in 2016 from high school. That is nuts. Uh, there is a player on Rice's team that also went to Needville High School, but did yeah. not attend Needville High School. Needville High School the same years he was not there with Rosner, and he At affectionately all. called Rosner Grandpa. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I mean I think that. <sighs> Again, the the COVID rule going away, I think, is going to be really good because, you know, just like guys coming up with these extra years, I don't love. If you have like a legitimate injury and you miss a year, like I have no issue with you getting that back. I I don't think that you need to be on like this hardcore five year counter. Um, But like, I just I want the rules to be pretty straightforward. I mean, I will say like I like it, but the. The four year the four game red shirt thing is kind of interesting because that's that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games to be able to red shirt. I, I wonder like maybe cutting that down to like two games instead of four might make some more sense because that's that's a third of the season. Like even if you're not red shirting, if you plan not to redshirt, you might not play in four games in a season. So maybe that would be like a small change. But you know, I I think that generally speaking, five to play four red shirt available be able to play at least a little bit in your red shirt season and and if you have like an injury i mean i i don't have an issue with you getting it back again you only get four of these things you're telling me that we're like just we're just basically rolling back the clock like i don't know six or seven years maybe you're telling me like if we just went back in time a little bit college football was okay that's that's what I mean, I'm hearing. There's you say. there's a lot of things about that that I would say yes, college football was pretty okay a couple of years ago. All right, I, yeah, almost like, done. I had I had two more. Are you... As like the where we are now is the result of so many so many trends that have been going for a long time. Like there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that people bemoan as these new and terrible things. It's like well, it was always kind of this way for a lot of these things, but if you could just like arrest the momentum of all of it at like and then someone threw money at so. it and the fire became bigger yeah <laughs> and like let's keep an IL let's 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 get these kids yeah. their money but like uh, in I think terms that, of realignment and stuff like that yeah i think that one big thing is somebody has to have a vision for the end point, right? And I think that's the big issue. This is why we're appointing you the czar. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is is the next question on NIL pay-for-play that sort of thing, or or should I go into my spiel? No, I hadn't hadn't even done anything on NIL, because I feel like most reasonable heads are like, why are we preventing people that are worth money from getting money? Like, we should, like, figure out how to do it in a way that's not stupid. Like The thing that's complicated to me, right, is... There is no sport in the world where there is just no rules around what money can go to people and when it can go to people <laughs> and how it can be used, right? That's like not But a let thing. me tell you about this great thing called college football. Right. So like the idea uh, for example that like in in the middle of a season there could be tampering to get a player to consider transferring to to another school and then maybe for example even redshirt that year so they don't burn that year so that they can use it at another place like this is stuff that's happening right now and imagine if like after a june 14th game like 
Jalen Green just all of a sudden was like, eh, I'm going to go play for the Bucks instead, right? Like, that's not real. That's not, like, how sports are supposed to work. And so I, I think that, like, <laughs> that, that's the, That's the tagline of college football right now, actually. Yeah. That's not how sports are supposed to work. Right. <laughs> and so, like, I, for example, am, like, fully in favor. The, the end result of players getting money, I think, is, like, the best part of this whole process. But, like the actual competitive balance, the actual like mechanics of the sport, I think are in a really bad place right now. Because again, like there should be some level of rule and regulation about things, right? Like even for example, like if we want to say like just out of high school, you should sign players to contracts. Like that's fine with me, but then we need to sign them to contracts and give them guarantees and make them more public. And like just this sort of in between that we're in where it's like, well, like you can go to, you know, whatever school you can go to Miami and like get a contract on the side, but it's kind of just like there. And we're pretending like it doesn't have anything with you doing. It doesn't have anything to do with you coming to Miami. Like it's insane. That That's not how any of this works. And like, there just needs to be a level of transparency. And again, at the end of it, I hope that people still just get the money. I have no issue with people getting the money, but it's like there has to be some rules around how you can contact people, when you can contact people. Like, is every single year are you re-recruiting 85 guys? Like, that seems a little insane, right? Like, maybe we should have multi-year agreements or things like that. I, I don't know. It's a lot to think about right now. And uh, apparently, Ted Cruz is on the case. So don't worry, guys. It'll be figured out. <laughs> I feel better now. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me of that. It's, just, it's always hilarious to me when especially when like school administrators complain about this, because I think we always like to blame the NCAA in the abstract. Well, the NCAA is the schools, you know, who runs the NCAA appoints the people like who is in charge of it. It's the schools and their presidents. So you are who you are. You had all of this time to come up with rules. The problem was staring you in the face the whole time. We could have avoided all this crap with state legislatures getting involved and like, I see a lot of people complaining about the idea of Congress getting involved, but like the cat's out of the well, bag. Well, that was their now. plan the whole time. Like maybe yeah. Congress will do something. They've been they've been saying that for literally yeah. like when was Alston? Like yeah, it was like 2019. I, I think it might have even been earlier than that. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It, like at this it, point, there's no way to get a uniform system, maybe other than an act of Congress, which is ridiculous that we right. have to like. And it's insane to me that that like there's like bills being proposed dealing with the transfer portal. It's like this is this should not this, no what are we doing here but it's like yeah, you created this problem for yourselves you could have been proactive about this and come up with some rules and the whole thing would have gone much more smoothly but like what a surprise that it's a disaster when you just kick the can down the road and we're like oh we had a whole global pandemic where we were stuck inside and not one person thought <laughs> maybe we should you think about time. what happens <laughs> If, if players can get paid. This is great. I, I Totally throwing shade at people for not working through their pandemic uh, usefully. I love this. Uh, I had two left. I had two left. Okay. Uh, we're talking about college football having nobody driving the bus except for maybe people who run certain four-letter TV networks or three-letter TV networks. I guess just TV networks. Uh, you, uh, you are in charge of the anything to do with the broadcast of college football games 
the TV network, any of that, you get to set an edict. Every Big Ten game will air on BN. What what is the what is the law BN. that you play? Oh my gosh, I'm also triggered from Conference USA's TV contract. <laughs> uh, so I canceled Conference USA TV like a month ago. Like. <laughs> It happened. I get it. I get it. Uh, and, and good for them. It, you know, they've they've kind of like partnered completely with ESPN. So they're going to be like a plus product, which is totally fine to me. Right. Like, just just tell me to go to one place. I don't care where it is. Just tell me to go to one place. Uh, so I think one big thing is I would force all of the conferences, especially the power five, especially the power two to not be exclusive to one television network because we have ended up in this position where the SEC versus Big Ten is actually Fox versus ESPN, which is just the most insane. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. No, like, that's what no. <laughs> well, and like, again, like ESPN, and look, I work for one of the three-letter networks, so I probably need to at least be a little careful. But like, it's uh, a <laughs> no. It's but like, ESPN literally owns the SEC and literally owns the college football playoff. And like, actually, I think one of the smartest things that Mike Slive, the the former commissioner of the SEC, did was intertwining themselves with ESPN because. ESPN is the most powerful news organization in this sport. And when you are a television partner, it does impact the way that you cover those teams. You are, I mean, we saw it, for example, with uh, with hockey, right? ESPN didn't have the NHL for a long time, and they basically didn't cover it. And now they've added it, and now you turn on SportsCenter, and there's hockey highlights every night, like it's just part of the game. And I I'm not... it didn't. I didn't know it. Did, I didn't like it. Just disappeared, and then it became on ESPN yeah. again. And then like I turned on like playoff hockey like this yeah. past year, and I was like, "This is freaking awesome." I have no yeah. idea what's going on, but it's where fun. is this? And, <laughs> exactly. And and the thing is, right? And and that's that's actually the existential issue with the Pac-12 being on Apple TV Plus or whatever, right? Is that you are creating a world where the most powerful entities uh, and the most powerful broadcasters don't have ties with you. And it just naturally impacts the way that you're covered. Now, look, there. I, I want to be very clear, right? Like, I work for CBS. There is not somebody looking over my shoulder saying, you need to write about the SEC or you in the next year need to write about the Big Ten. That's not how it works. I but thought your like, Oregon State offensive line story was completely scripted. I thought like, that was passed out. By yeah, the that's, that, that's CBS feeding it right to me. Then. Yeah. But like, you know. No, but you're it, actually but it, an uh, Apple plant at CBS uh, <laughs> driving up interest. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just, it does impact strategy. I think that's fair to say. I think that that's just a, a true statement. And um, I think that that diversifying like i love the fact for example that cbs is going to have the sec and big 10 this year i think that that's a really cool place to be uh i love the fact that like cbs sports network has like the mountain west and and some of conference usa and things like that right like i think that it just it, it lets you do some different things and so i think the idea and i i think that as part of this like i i think that 
in this world where I'm the the czar making edicts, like I probably eliminate uh, conference television networks because like it's implicitly just tied, right? Like ESPN is implicitly tied with the SEC. Fox is implicitly tied with the Big Ten. And I think that like, I mean, if we want to get real crazy with it, man, let's do a freaking uh, lottery wheel every single week to figure out what games okay. are going to end up where. I kid you not. This was this was one of the things that I put forth. And I, my edict would be in week four and week 10, you are not allowed to schedule a football game, period, mm. the end. Oh, yeah. Whoever, just... who, whoever you want to point, put in charge of this, I don't care. Make it the playoff committee. It, <laughs> it, whatever it is, you are handed. You know how they do the TV window? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. 10 days before the kick yeah, or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah. That that happens. And 10 days before the kick, you were handed an opponent that is prescribed to you by said committee in week four and week 10. And so, you know, like we talk about these rivalries go like, you know what? I don't care what conference you're in, like Texas and Texas Tech, you're playing in week 10. Boom. <laughs> Just like, you know what? You know, well, right? no, and after like, after 2020, with Washington, Coastal Carolina, we, we figure the funding. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we we figured out you can do this, right? It's after Coastal after that BYU, game. Central Arkansas, like you can well, just schedule somebody and play them. Like but the next week, have you it can be done. Have you considered that Mike Gundy's schedule is all the way filled, and so there's no room for him to play another football game, and therefore it's Oklahoma's <laughs> fault. God and bless like, Mike Gundy. It's just like. It is Oklahoma's fault. They're leaving. But, like, also, yes, it's okay to say that, like, you're mad and you just don't want to play them for a while. <laughs> also, if you're Mike Gundy, based on that record, you might be okay not playing them for a little while. But that's a whole other thing. That's fair. You just need oh, to do man. what Texas and Texas A&M did, which is pout and not play yes. each other at all. And, yes. you know, stay up at night longingly staring into pic- staring at pictures of each other and th- yes. and insisting to the world about how you don't think about the other one at all. Correct. No, you're, Correct. you're doing fine. You've moved on. You won the breakup, actually. <laughs> I think you get privately, and this is not something that should be publicly announced, but privately, it'll be a 10-year moratorium, and then we just pick it back up again. Like, I think that worked out pretty well <laughs> for Texas and, and Texas A&M. Now they're excited to play again, and everybody's moving on with their lives. Their That's what we players do. Don't remember who won the last game. Oh my gosh! Gosh, I, I, freshmen coming in this year, so would have been born in two thousand and five, which means they would have been six years old whenever Justin Tucker kicked the field goal. I just, oh, <laughs> uh, going. Speaking of going back to nineteen ninety five. <laughs> All right. Last one, and we kept okay. you a while, so we will let you out. Uh, you now are in charge of college football's postseason. Okay. Period. The end. As a czar, what are you doing? I actually love the system that's coming in 2024. I think it's a really good system. College football is getting something right? I think it's getting something Maybe? right. So. Maybe, maybe. I'm sure. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, it's going to debut in 2024. And by 2027, I'm going to hate it. And I don't know why. But at this moment, at this moment, I think this is a great system. And I'll tell you why. So 12 teams, uh, six conference champions guaranteed. So I think that does a couple of things. One, if you, I've always said, like, 
I think it is worse for a deserving team to get left out than it is for a not deserving team to make it. I, I just think that that's a silly way to think about it. And the fact that like in 2014, obviously I was at Baylor at the time, but like the fact <laughs> that Baylor and TCU didn't play for a championship was nuts, right? Like that was so weird that like we just like picked four that we felt pretty good about and that was kind of just it. And so like, I, I don't know. I think that the idea of, uh, I, I mean, I, obviously, I don't think they would have won, but like 2017 UCF, right? They're undefeated. They played some pretty good, dang good teams. And like, they, they're just like irrelevant to this whole conversation. Like, it, it's a strange deal for me. But so what I like about it is 12 is a good number. I love the fact that they are re-incentivizing conference championships because I think that the death of like conference championships mattering has been one of the worst parts about this sports like last year tcu made the playoff despite losing their conference championship it did not affect them one bit and again i i think that sucks i don't think that it should be like that so not only do you get an auto bit if you're a top six conference champion which means a group of five team and i guess maybe two now i don't know what's going on with the pac-12 uh it is guaranteed to spot mac 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 <laughs> Well, and I think that one other thing, too, is obviously, like, the AAC has been the dominant conference for the last 10 years, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to have a plurality of spots, but, like, I think the Mountain West's best team, the Sunbelt's best team, a lot of years, is going to have a chance to push for that spot, and so I think it will be a real race down the stretch to, uh, to make that sixth spot, and so, which I think is fantastic for the sports. And the other part of it, too, is, again, you get incentive, you get you get a buy if you're one of the top four conference champions. I think that's great. That's like a real tangible reward for winning your conference and being one of the top teams. And, like, I mean, look, are, are there going to be years where the 13th and 14th teams, like, maybe could have made a little noise in the playoff? Like, maybe, right? I think that's fair. But, like I said off the top, I think there are 11 teams that can actually win the national championship in the entire sport. So, like, chances are we're not leaving out too many people who are just a disaster to leave out, right? Like there's not many times that I look at the 14th seed in the college football playoff and think, oh man, like they really needed to make it. And there will be years where that's the case, but like having a discussion between 12 and 13 versus four and five in this sports is just completely different obviously I, I mean and when you look at 12 right there's 133 teams in the fbs right now so it means that eight nine percent somewhere in that range of teams are making the postseason tournament i think that's about right right like i mean when you're talking basketball it's 69 out of 355 or whatever it is that's about 20 percent and obviously basketball is a little bit of a different sport but like, so I don't think it's like crazy underrepresentative. I don't think it's crazy overrepresentative. And like, it means that like, if somebody has an awesome year and like, maybe I, I, I don't know, we'll kind of have to wait and see whether like the Mac can put up a Western Michigan ever again, or if conference USA, like, I mean, Liberty is probably the team that could reach that level potentially. Like maybe they won't be able to have that team, but like if you win the American or if you win the Sun Belt or if you win the Mountain West, you're going to have a chance. Like, like it's, it's a realistic thing to make the college football playoff. And I think that one thing, again, when we talk about having different structures for success for different teams, I think that just making the playoff for 80% of college football 
is success. And there'll be teams that are different, but like, I think those are few and far between, honestly. There'll be a banner hung on your stadium forever. People remember, say, hey, remember the year that we made the playoff? Or hey, we've made the playoff three times. Like, think about like Florida State talking about their national championships. Like, Virginia Tech, you know, Tennessee is like, go back, is like, okay. Like, maybe you're not going to win another national. Well, maybe Florida State's a bad example. They're going to be pretty good this year. We'll see. But maybe you're not going to win the national, but maybe you can you can hang a couple banners. Yeah. And or like, a banner. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, again, I one of the things, again, that I like about this new AAC and that I like about this new Big 12 is, like, I think it's a lot of programs who kind of know what they are and, like, want to be strivers, but, like, also aren't insane, right? Like, they aren't. They aren't like South Carolina fans being like, well, maybe we could just be Clemson instead. Like maybe we're just like one higher away. And do South all Carolina fans out. say this? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. They, do. Yeah. they do. They do. They do. They don't understand why they're not Florida or Tennessee. And not like plugged into... there, there's not like an awesome reason why that's not the case. I mean, obviously they're not as like resourced and traditioned, but like that's the hard part, right? Is like every SEC team is like, God bless like this it, it thinks. Yeah, no, every SEC team, <laughs> except for Vanderbilt and, and Kentucky probably, is like, well, like, what if we made the right hire, though? What if we, like, lucked into Nick Saban and lucked into, you know, to Baker Mayfield or into Cam Newton or whatever? Like, we could probably win, right? And the answer for dollar me, contract, what could go wrong? Yeah, and, well, <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's how that happens, right? And so <laughs> it's just... Like, there's going to be – that's actually a dynamic I'm going to be watching very closely again over the next five to ten years is, like, being a not top-tier SEC team is, like, maybe going to really suck. Like, maybe being a Missouri fan is just going to be, like, the worst experience ever. Like, maybe being uh, – I mean, maybe being a couple who is. has relatives that are Missouri fans, like, it's already been up there – like yeah. before all this like right Big 12 and Missouri that, was not fun yeah well and so it's just like you're creating a world where it is impossible to succeed if you're a mid-tier to low-tier sec team and here's the other part of it too is that think about how many quote-unquote like elite brands there are right now in the sec right with texas and oklahoma coming in alabama 14. florida georgia <laughs> well six, yeah yeah uh but Who like alabama Florida, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, Auburn. Like, that's seven. It, like, I didn't mention Texas A&M, who expects to win at a high level. I didn't mention Tennessee, who expects. Like, it is impossible for these numbers to work. It, like, the math doesn't add up. And so. There are more brands than wins available. Yes, I'm just doing the exactly. simple math. And so it's going to, in five years, when, like, Arkansas is like, well, we went four and eight again. This sucks. Like, I don't They'll know. Go back to the Big 12. I'd be down. I'd be down with this. Bring back the Southwest <laughs> Conference, like I said. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, first, last off, thank you so much for I for, you know, I would ride with your version of college football. So we're <laughs> we're submitting the Roost podcast is formally submitting um, you as our, our nomination for college footballs are. So thank you for your time and uh, your your thoughts uh it, anything up uh, you work for a three-letter network that was established um 
I want to make sure you get time to tell us, other than the Oregon State offensive line, what you're writing about. I'm just going to like randomly text you. It's like, so how's the Oregon State offensive line doing in like week six? Like, <laughs> they're, they're tackles, man. They, they got some special tackles. But uh, anyway. what else is going on in your world? <laughs> Yeah, so we're well in the midst of preview season now. We dropped our CBS 133, uh, our first one of the year, just yesterday. So that where is yeah. Rice so, in the 133? That's an excellent question. I'm gonna try to look that up while I'm saying this. Uh, no, but I I am one of the few. So the way that they let us do it is like if we submit a ballot that's 133, then we have to keep up 133 all year long. And of course, I'm one of the people who makes sure and does 133 all year On long. Brand. This is good. Rice, Rice is 112 in our preseason rankings. So, yeah, you know, it, uh, behind Louisiana Tech, ahead of Arkansas State, I know that I'm a little higher oh. than that. Yeah, I, I'd probably. Have uh, yeah, I'm a little insulted by behind Louisiana Tech. Yeah, but. yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, you could hey, have told I me guess... nothing else. You could have told me 120, but is if you said behind Louisiana Tech, now I'm <laughs> now I'm trying to remember where I had them in my ballot because uh, obviously, obviously, oh, I'm well, one man out of yours. This is the aggregate. So this yeah. is the aggregate. This you're, is the you're aggregate. good. Rice was probably like top <laughs> ten. And your ballot. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they were definitely top ten. <laughs> but uh, no, but that that obviously came out for us this year. Hold up, I am actually legitimately curious where I put Rice. Or uh, I had them. Oh, I had them 98. I had them 98. So okay, I there we go. One spot behind Virginia and one spot ahead of Navy. So if that's... coincidentally, you were just invited back for a uh, return of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm. <laughs> Fading, uh, I'm fading my UAB stock because I don't think they have a real football coaching staff. So, you know, that probably helps them out. Uh, but man, he had some sound bites at Media Day last week. Let me tell you. Well, great. He can, after uh, he gets let go after this year, he can be a TikTok influencer. It'll be great. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they did that. Anyway, I, I, I really like, I would love for him to like, like imagine if he proves us wrong. That would be so crazy. That would be like the greatest story in college football. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but we're coming out with all of our, our CBS preview content. Um, so check that all out on cbssports.com. We're going to a couple of things right now. Actually, like I was well in the, the content gr grind a couple weeks ago and then I caught COVID and now I'm like trying to catch up on everything that I, uh, <laughs> that I fell behind on for multiple weeks. It's, it's weird. I don't know if you guys have heard about this COVID thing. It really takes it out of you, but, uh, yeah. So finally getting a couple back. years ago, maybe some, somebody yeah, yeah. mentioned it. it was, it was on a news network, I think. Yeah. yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah. Imagine catching COVID in 2023. Couldn't be me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a lot, lots of preview stuff coming over the next couple of weeks. We'll obviously go through every single conference. Uh, we do a lot of AAC stuff as well. So make sure and check that out. And you can find all my work at, uh, on my Twitter account at Shahan J Raja. And also, by the way, just in case, uh, also on threads at Shahan J Raja and also on blue sky <laughs> at Shahan J Raja dot, however you dot B sky dot social. Is that how it works? I don't remember how that works. I haven't and, been cool enough to get the, the blue sky invite yet. So I'm just, I, I made an account here with X. I, I, <laughs> I guess it's true. It's not Twitter's X. Uh, I, I made an account on blue sky. I don't think I've posted a single thing. Cause I just like, can't even like find my friends on it i don't even i'm just i'm so lost uh i'm, I'm also <laughs> I, actually i'm shahan j roger across basically every single social media platform so what is that x blue and sky, if, like 
There's probably uh, not too Durant, many other Shahan Jayarajas, so like if we find Shahan Jayaraja, we probably find you. It's it's a good chance. I, I will say I did uh, my Instagram account, my because I have a personal one, but then my professional one is Shahan Jayaraja, like all my other accounts. Uh, it got hacked by some dude in Lithuania like two days ago. Thankfully, I was able to recover it, but like, <laughs> I didn't realize like it. Does, I I only created it like a month ago so it doesn't even have like hardly any followers so congratulations to the lithuanian guy for uh for i don't know congratulations to Jonas valanchunas for getting access to my uh to my <laughs> instagram account i guess is he Lith- no he might be serbian who might linus kleza he's definitely lithuanian you remember <laughs> a while back anyways valanchunas is lithuanian there you go hey how about that so i i told you guys i love basketball so um, but yeah, I have it back now. Follow me on that as well. I've been doing some like little video content on TikTok and Instagram too, just to like mix things up a little bit. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't want to, uh, I don't want X to completely collapse and then just everything that I have brand wise on the entire internet to just disappear. Next time you're coming back and you're teaching me TikTok. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. Trust me. That'll be, that'll be an entire thing. <laughs> could have a mini series just on that <laughs> podcast of Matthew tries to learn TikTok. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that's an excellent note for us to end on. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for y'all just uh, sticking with us. Uh, we are officially through the uh, the off season as uh, Rice started camp today as of recording time. That's uh, Wednesday the second. So we did it. Uh, thanks to. Shahan for wrapping it us wrapping it up with us in style. Uh, so glad to have him back on. Uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Uh, we'll see y'all again soon. And rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.